0: Up in your uh, Pew Bibles, Celine is going to come and read that for us. So thank you, Celine. So it's John chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 26. Celine, what's been a highlight of mission for you so
1: far? To spend time with kids. <laughs> to spend time with kids? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and, and have you been, did you do the um, school scripture seminar? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay. we did it on um, Thursday. Thursday. Yep. Thursday morning. Friday, Friday morning. Yep. Yeah. And are you you doing some Sunday school work today? Um, no. no are you reading the Bible? <laughs> yeah. Today? Okay. So kids, listen up as Celine reads the Bible because she really loves working with you kids. Okay. Thanks, Celine. <laughs> no nice. So I'll be reading John chapter four, one to um twenty-six. Now, when Jesus heard that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptis- baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judah and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Suchar, near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, worried as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews has no dealing with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet, I who speak to you am him.
0: It's great to be with all of you today. Um, it's wonderful to be uh, for the past couple of days it's been the most wonderful time uh, for me this year um, and for the team I guess uh, being able to come here uh, to spend time knowing um, the different people at church um, to be able to witness uh, how God is working amongst you uh, when we came from Canberra it was a long drive um, but I think uh, the long drive wasn't the thing that sort of like made us feel a bit grudging and all that kind of thing uh, but I think it was really understanding the context that we were coming into. So we heard about Zach Young. Yeah, we heard about some, Scott share with me some of the things that have been happening in this community, um, and we thought, well, we're coming into this grieving community, uh, and we're wondering how, what can we do, what, how we can be serving you guys. Uh, but it's wonderful to see how, despite all that, uh, the joy that you have. Uh, so that's very encouraging to see that Christians, uh, we are people who, yes, we go through life just like anyone. Um, Yes, there is death. Yes, there is suffering. There are sorrows. But we're people with hope, and a hope that is really certain and assured. Um, And there's joy even in suffering. Thank you so much for encouraging uh, all of us in that. Um, And, yeah, it's really wonderful uh, to be with you. Um, There's something that I forgot to share with you um, when I was uh, talking about the focus ministry and campus Bible study... Uh, I actually got a stack of um, brochures um, and in a brochure there's things about um, what Campus Bible does um, on campus um, and you can have a read through it. Um, it's just a, a thing for you to um, know and if you want to pray for us, want to support us, um, you can just grab one and have a look through it. Yeah. Uh, campus ministry is very, has, been, has impacted um, a lot of people in Sydney. The form okay thank you very much sue uh, yes yeah, so there's a fort there's a tear out slip you can actually tear it out um, and you fill it in and give it to one of the mission team people yeah and so the campus ministry has been impacting um, a lot of people um, across Sydney um, Scott came from came through that ministry uh, Pete uh, Peter Charles came from through that ministry a lot of people have came through that ministry and we can really see how God has blessed it. And so if you'd like to pray for us, do grab one. Yeah. Well, today well, we'll be looking at um, a passage um, in the Gospel of John, uh, John chapter 4. Um, and it'll be, about, it'll be about an encounter, an encounter between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And I do hope that as we look through this um, encounter, um, the truths that have been Spoken uh, in this passage would encourage us um, I guess in thinking about our relationship with God Uh, but more than that I hope that it would also challenge us to think about what it means to be a true believer a true worshipper of God you see coming to church every week anyone can do that claiming to be a Christian going to Sunday school um, giving the correct answer in a Bible study group um, anyone can do that Um, and it's worthwhile sometimes thinking you know stepping a bit back and just thinking once again what does it mean to be a Christian Uh, what does my relationship with God ought to look like and so I do pray that as we look through this passage today the truths that we'll be able to glean from it um, that would help us think through these questions Um, and um, hopefully it will be encouragement as well uh, as we uh, look at how the eternal life that Jesus offers is for everyone and it's freely given. So how about pray for all of us? I pray the Spirit will work in our hearts to help us understand his word. Let's pray. Father, we want to to thank you so much for your word uh, because your word is the thing that uh, gives light to our path. Uh, Your word is the thing that gives us wisdom and gives us understanding in the truth. And Father, we too, I do pray that for all of us um, as we uh, sit under your word today that your spirit will be working in our hearts, and that you would reveal more truths and deeper understanding and that we may grow closer to you. And Father, I do pray that you will give us an open heart, a listening ear, a humble mind uh, that we may uh, submit under your word. And do pray that the things that we learn will not only inform us, but to transform our lives as well. And I pray for all these things for your son's sake, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the passage we're going to look at is um, a story about um, an encounter between the Samaritan woman and Jesus. Um, it would be good if you have the Bible opened uh, in front of you. Uh, we're looking at chapter 4. And I'll be going pretty much in-depth in the passage. So in the beginning, we see Jesus coming uh, to the town of Sychar. And it's a town in Samaria. Uh, We see Jesus being weary. He was tired. He was thirsty after his long journey from Judea. Very short description of what Jesus is going through. But a very profound verse as well. If you have read the Gospel of John before, you know that in John chapter 1 at the beginning, uh, it speaks of Jesus being not just a man, but he was the Word of God. Uh, Jesus was, in fact, God. He was the one who God created the world. Um, And we see that in his awesome power, God spoke and the Word brought into existence the galaxies, the universe. Um, the stars, the moon, the sun, the cosmos, um, the oceans, the mountains, the world that we live in, and everything that lives in this world came to be through this word. And That's the power of God's word. And as we begin to read this passage, uh, we see that Jesus, the one who ruled this world and has the world in his palm, now he's tied becomes a needy person. Uh, we see that the sustaining of life now needs to be sustained uh, by a drink of water. It's very profound, isn't it? Uh, the extent that God stooped down low for our sake. Uh, he became the, the, the creator, be, be, taking on the form of a creature of dust. And so I hope that as we Read through the gospel. you know, When we read the accounts of Jesus and his humanity, we won't just gloss over the fact that he became a man. Uh, G- uh, Christmas is just around the corner. You know, we're celebrating um, God taking the form of man, becoming the baby, Jesus and the manger. I hope that we'll be people who don't just gloss over it and think, oh, it's just no big deal. Uh, God stooped down to this lowly state in order to be with us. And I do hope that we'll be amazed every time we think about God becoming a man, we'll be amazed, we'll be in awe, we'll marvel, and be thankful and be grateful for the great God, the God who made all things. Uh, He went down, humbled himself just for us. So we come to verse 6. Jesus arrives. um, He is at the well, uh, Jacob's well. Um, He was tired, weary from the journey, And now he's sitting next to the well. And as Jesus sat there, a Samaritan woman came along to draw some water. And Jesus begins uh, a conversation with her. Uh, Give me some water, he says. Now, there are two things, uh, two very unusual things that we're going to see in this encounter. And the first thing I'm going to talk about will be Jesus talking to a Samaritan. Now, for us, um, it seems to be a very normal, everyday thing, right? A person asking for water. Uh, but in verse 9, it actually shows us that is no normal situation. Jesus talking to a Samaritan woman. And in fact, we see the Samaritan woman, she was very surprised as well. Right? She says, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Now, as we look back, uh, as we, we need to look at the background um, of uh, the time that Jesus was in, the relationship between the Jews and the Samaritans. And back in those times, the Samaritans were considered to be unclean and impure uh, because they, uh, if you look at the book of um, 1 Kings, you read, when you read the history of Israel, you soon find out that these people, they were once part of God's people, but because of the sin and rebellion, God punished them, scattered them. And they intermingled with, uh, the, they intermingled with um, the other pagans uh, living around the area. Um, they worshipped other gods as well, um, and they no longer became Jewish, or well, at least that is in the eyes of the Jew. Um, so by the time we get to Jesus's time, Jesus' um, time, for average Jew, the way they look at the Samaritan would be looking down upon them. Um, they would shun them um, because not only they were different in terms of their blood, uh, but also in terms of their religion as well. Um, the Samaritans by then had a temple, their own temple, um, in Mount Gerizim. Uh, they worship a god there, um, thinking that they are worshiping the true God. So I think for a Jewish person, they see these people as pagans, right? People who think they know God, but they don't know anything. So having a conversation with a Samaritan, this was a very surprising thing to do uh, for Jesus. Besides this, uh, there's a second very unusual thing about this encounter. And that is Jesus, uh, who asked for water in the first place, is now making an offer. I'm not sure if you noticed that. Uh, We we can, like he says that um, in verse um, 10, right? Um, He says, if you knew the gift of God and he was saying uh, to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Uh, Jesus makes her an offer. Now you can imagine uh, what's going, like the woman's being confused and, uh, and she must be thinking, Jesus, you must be pulling my leg, right? You needed water from me, and now you're saying you got something to offer to me. What are you talking about here? But you see, what Jesus offer, uh, what Jesus offers, is very, very profound. You, said in, you see that in verse ten. Uh, if you only know about God's gift, uh, the gift which God gives out freely uh, and generously out of His grace. And if you, woman, know who I am, that I'm God, you ask from me. And know this, I will, out of my generosity and grace, I will give you living waters. Now, what is this living waters that Jesus is offering? Um, I think the clue is in verse 14. If you look down in the passage in verse 14, um, this is what Jesus says. Uh, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. It's a metaphor. Living water is a metaphor for eternal life. See, Jesus came to offer eternal life for all. And he came to offer it because we didn't have it in the first place. Um... We don't have life in the first place. In fact, we're dead, as this Bible uh, speaks of us. In Romans three, it, that's how, uh, this is how we describe us. This is how mankind is described as. Romans 3: uh, 10 to 12. As it is written, "None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. So have we recognised our desperate need? Uh, Do we realise that we are in sin and we're desperate for the eternal life that Jesus has to offer to us? Um, I... Even for myself, I've got to ask myself this question as I study uh, this passage. Um, because if I don't have this eternal life, if I haven't received a Jesus' offer of the living waters, I'm still dead in my sins. Now, for the Samaritan woman, obviously, she didn't really believe um, in Jesus' offer. And we can again uh, almost hear her sarcastic response to Jesus' offer, right? And she's saying, like, Mr, you've got nothing on you. You don't have a bucket, you don't have a rope, you've got nothing on you, but you say that you have this living water. Okay, give it to me. Show it to me. Um, and maybe this living water will even make my life better. Maybe I don't have to be thirsty anymore. And Jesus here does what he's always good at doing, he just whacks the person on the back of his head or her head and just wake them up to open up their eyes. Uh, you see that time again and again, like the way he deals with the Pharisees. And this is what he says. Go and get your husband. And oh, by the way, I know every single thing about you. Oh, and I actually know that you have five husbands and the one that you have isn't your husband. And in fact, you are committing adultery. You are sinning, my child. See, Jesus knows everything. He sees everything. And I wonder if you ever thought of, you know, what would Jesus see in us as he looks at us? Sin? Wickedness? Depravity? No wonder the psalmist in Psalm 7 uh, says that God is a God who feels indignation every day. He is angry every day as he looks at, at, at this world. Uh, as he look upon and look into the hearts of man, all he sees is sin, sin, and sin. And don't fool yourself. And I know this very clearly in my own heart. Uh, I don't think there was a time, now, up to now, or even in the future, that I will ever love God fully and perfectly with all my strength, all my heart, all my minds, with all everything I have. I will never be able to love God the way I ought to. And there will never be a time in this life that I will be able to love my neighbor perfectly as myself. Not a second. Don't fool ourselves. But notice also, I think there's a wonderful thing that we see we're seeing here. Is that as Jesus comes to expose our sins, to reveal the ugliness in us, He's very gentle, very gentle. A bruised reed He will not break, and a faintly burning wick He will not quench, as in Isaiah. We're up to point four in your outline. So now the Samaritan woman, at this point in time, I think she's starting to break down the barrier. Um, and, and, and this is what she says. Well, Jesus, okay, you know everything about me. You seem to be a prophet, but there's something I'm not too sure of. Are you from God? Um, you see, for us Samaritan, we worship God on Mount Gerizim. You know, You guys, Jews, you worship God in Jerusalem. Like, where are you from? And this is what Jesus says in response. And Jesus says to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming, the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Uh, you, worship, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. You see, true worship, Jesus says, is not about a location or a place that you worship. Um, there's something deeper than that, and it says here in verse 22 um, that true worship um, is about being able um, to know God. Um, and you see that uh, it, it's a very unusual uh, verse uh, thing that Jesus says here, right? For salvation is from the Jews, and salvation is is from the Jews because. God had a relationship with the the Jews. Since the time when he rescued the people out of of Egypt into the Promised Land, um, God had a relationship with his people. He had a covenant with them. And more than that, God saved his people. This is what it means to know God. Uh, This is what it means to uh, know what we worship. And it's worthwhile for us to think about what did we know of this as well? When you think about your, your relationship with God, when you come to Sunday to worship God, do you know Him? Personally? Do you know of His salvation? Or do you just come along to things? So what does it mean to worship? What, what is true worship? Um, Jesus goes on to explain. Uh, but the hour is coming. And actually, it is now here. The time is now here. When the true worshippers will will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. What does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth, says Jesus? What does it mean? Um, Is it some sort of experience that we need to go through being in the spirit um, be in a trance or something that we can get close to God? No, I don't think so. Um, if you, if you uh, look at how it's been described here, it's about being in the Spirit and truth. And in the original Greek, the in is actually can mean by or with. Um, and I think it's talking about worshipping God uh, by the Spirit, by his truth. Um, and I think in the wider context of this passage, so if you look over in, uh, Ma, uh, in John chapter 3, uh, verse 34, uh, this is what uh, it says about Jesus and the Spirit. For he whom God has sent utters the word of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. Jesus is the one who gives the Spirit. Right. Later on in, in um, the other chapters in John, you see that the Spirit comes to help people, to enable people to know the truth and to be able to be in a relationship with the Father. So I think this is what it means. Uh, Being a true worshipper means that you have the Spirit, you have the truth, you know how to relate to God through that. Now, if being a true worshipper requires the Spirit and requires truth, how do we obtain these things? how do we get it read on in verse 25 the woman said to him i know the messiah is coming he who is called christ and when he comes he will tell us all things and jesus said to her i am who i who speak to you am he We talked about how true worship is important um, because without true worship, uh, it means that other things that we're doing is false worship, isn't it? Uh, without the spirit, without the truth, everything we do, no matter what form, uh, what object of worship you're in, you're partaking in, is all false worship. Uh, but this is what Jesus says. This is what he says about obtaining the spirit and truth. I am here, right, in verse 26. I who speak to you am here. The key is Jesus. I'm here, says Jesus. I'm the Messiah. I'm God's chosen king and savior. And I'm the one, I'm the one who knows you and knows everything about you and knows your sin. Uh, But yet I've come not to crush you, but to save you. And I'm here, the Messiah, will be able to give you a thing that you can't get yourself I'm able to give you eternal life and I'll give it freely and generously to you and I'm the one who will give you the spirit and truth so that you can become a true worshipper of God and Jesus is everything isn't he, he's all that we have now, friends, there are sometimes people who say, oh, Jesus is all we need. Um, as if Jesus is some sort of extra thing, he's some sort of cherry on top of cake to make our life more complete, more beautiful, to, feel, for, to fulfill our little spiritual need. Um, but that's not who Jesus is. He's not that side thing that comes into your life and when you need him, you go and worship him. If you don't need him, you just put him on the shelf. Jesus is everything. And the flip side is that without Jesus there's nothing. Absolutely nothing. You might think we have life. People might think that they can have life without Jesus, but they have absolutely nothing. And the Bible tells us that in Jesus there's life. And which means without Jesus there's only death. So but the gracious thing about God is that God doesn't want us to be in sin, to be in death. When Jesus comes, he comes to give life to all. It's freely given to all. But we need to believe. Now, There might be some of you who have been coming to church um, for I don't know how long. Um, Maybe you haven't really thought hard about your relationship with God. And maybe you you haven't really thought about what it means to be a true worshiper of God. You haven't come to worship God in spirit and in truth. The Bible says you were dead. You were dead. But thanks be to God that God is not the one. God doesn't want you to stay in that state. God wants you to have life. Just as Jesus came to Samaritan woman, the woman thought Jesus had a need, but Jesus came to offer her life freely. And we see that later on. We, I, think we, I don't think we got time to read on the rest of the passage, um, but we read later on, if you've got time, that the Samaritans, as they hear about Jesus' teaching, as he stayed on around the area, they believe in Jesus. And this is what they say uh, in verse 42. It's no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves, and we know That this is indeed a savior of the world. They believed, and Jesus is now the savior. And so, if you're someone who hasn't really thought much about your relationship with God, um, you're far away from God, you're in your sin, uh, Jesus has come to offer this. Are you going to believe? Are you going to receive it? And for those of us who are brothers and sisters who have received, um, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing, isn't it, to be able to have this eternal life. Now, eternal life isn't just something that happens when you go to heaven. Eternal life starts now, because as a Christian, we now have a relationship with God, isn't it? Um, as a Christian, uh, we know what it means to have our sins forgiven. Yes, when God looks at our lives, he sees the sin in our lives. And we know that in our hearts too. But we also know what it means to be forgiven. We know what it means that we, to be able to approach God in the spirit, in truth, to enjoy that real relationship with God. But for us as Christians, it's a wonderful thing what we have. But have you thought about your non-Christian friends? Non Christian family members, uh, people at your workplace, in your schools, uh, what do they have? And we got something beautiful, something great to offer to them. Uh, We got the life eternal. So, do you want your non Christian friends to receive this too? Are you happy that they are living in sin and are facing the wrath of God and are dead? Or do you want to share with them the good news of Jesus? Jesus, the one who brings eternal life to all, has given freely. And people who believe in him will be saved and enjoy this life in eternity with God as well. And so I think I want to encourage all of us. uh, Christmas is just around the corner. It is a wonderful opportunity for us as people start to think about the meaning of Christmas, as people wonder you know, why there's a baby you know, in the postcard, uh, in the Christmas cards. It's a great opportunity for you to talk about Jesus with them because Jesus is all we have. He's all we have. So how about I pray for us, um, that God will help us uh, to not only remember the truth, to be thankful for his salvation, but to have a heart wanting to see other people being saved as well. How about we pray? Father, we want to thank you so much for being the God who is the God of all nations. You are not only the God of the Jews, but you are the God of all nations. And we thank you so much for us. Most of us aren't aren't descended from the Jewish line. But we as Gentiles, we who were once far away from you, can come to know you and have you as our God and Saviour. Lord, I want to thank you so much for the reminder that we have today in the passage that we as believers can enjoy eternal life. And we thank you so much for this relationship that we can have with you. We can worship you. We can come before you. We can pray to you uh, because of what Jesus has come to do for us, that he came to die the death that we deserve, that we may have life. So far, I pray that for us, that we will not only be thankful, that our hearts will not only be filled with gratitude, but our hearts will be also filled with compassion and a desire to see people being saved as well. Lord, I pray that you will continue to help us uh, to have this truth sinking deep down into our hearts, that we will learn to esteem uh, Jesus above all things in our lives and also to prioritise the salvation of the lost in our lives as well. As people who have received much from you, Lord, as people who have received life from you, I pray that we'll be generous and compassionate, just like you you have been, Lord, that we'll consider the different relationships we have with people, um, our relationship with our non-Christian friends and families, our colleagues, our students, Lord, we do pray that you give us a heart of compassion, uh, wanting to see people come to repentance. Uh, Lord, we know that this gift is freely given to all. So, Lord, I pray that you would stir in our hearts and encourage us to be bold, uh, to desire the salvation of the lost, because, Lord, this is what you desire, and this is what Jesus has come into this world to do. And we pray that as we do this, this will bring much glory to yourself. And we ask for all these things in your son's name. Amen.